Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Wow, Yingying, what a week. We had Wimbledon, the World Cup, those Thai soccer kids getting rescued, and of course, Trump announcing new tariffs on China. My emotions were up and down every single day. But not as much, I don't think, as those of Xiaomi shareholders this week. During its historic IPO, it priced at 17 Hong Kong dollars, but opened lower than that on its first day of trading this past Monday, July 9th. It closed the day with the opposite of an IPO pop at $16.80. On Tuesday, though, it gained over 10%, stayed there for the next two days, and then gained another 11% on Friday to close its first week as a public company at $21.45 Hong Kong dollars, 26% above its pricing. Now, that's more like an IPO pop. Congrats to Leijun on a really respectable first week. Xiaomi now has a market cap of $61 billion. And this was the world's biggest tech IPO since Alibaba's New York Stock Exchange listing in 2014. Now, we're not public market experts here, so we're not going to be offering you any advice on whether or not you should be investing in Xiaomi at current prices. However, today we are going to offer you some perspectives on Xiaomi's long-term prospects. Is the company, which to most of the world is still known simply as a Chinese smartphone maker, truly as amazing as it says it is? The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after whole night banking, I say I still want to do it. Hi, everyone. We're Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. We are a new weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage. Tech Buzz China is a part of Pandaily.com, a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Yingying Lu. And I'm your other co-host, Ray Ma. Congratulations, by the way, to the winners of our Tech Buzz Swag giveaway last week, Jogvin Jesperson and Robert Xiao. The answer to our question was $24.5 billion. Yep, that's how much in revenues JD booked last month during their annual 618 shopping festival. Now, this week, we're going to switch it up a bit more. Some of you guys have told us that we're always agreeing with each other. I actually think we disagree a lot, but maybe we're just too nice about it. Right. So this week, we are going to do a debate format. Ying Ying will take one position, and I will argue the opposite position. So get ready. It's going to be a fight to the death. If you tweeted us with your verdict from this show, are you bullish or bearish on Sell Me? We will again enter you into a raffle for some swag. Remember, tweet at at TechBuzzChina. If you enjoy listening to us, please take the time to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Facebook.
All right, so we covered Xiaomi's then-upcoming IPO in one of our earlier episodes, episode four. We encourage you to go back and listen to that for some context. But we'll review some of it today too, so no worries if you're new to this podcast. Great. Okay, Ying Ying.、Uh, question for you: I've never done any high school debate or anything like that. Have you?、Uh, no. So we're even. Okay, great. I guess in such cases, we often start off with our positions, right? So let me start off with mine. I am going to argue that Xiaomi is nothing special. It is not, in fact, the apple of China, as it sometimes claims, nor is it the best representative of Chinese hardware innovation, and it is, in fact, grossly overvalued compared to its competitors. Basically, I am going to represent the Xiaomi Bears. Oh, by the way, the rest of my friends at Xiaomi and Leizong, if you're listening, please don't kill me. This is not really my true position. It's just for the purpose of debate. I will argue the opposite. I represent the Xiaomi Bulls. Xiaomi is highly innovative and is already one of the leading tech companies in China. It's extremely influential, on par with BAT. In fact, here's my first stat to prove it: Xiaomi, as we all know, makes smartphones and consumer electronics. It was the fifth largest last year in terms of shipment volume worldwide. And Yingying, there is your first slip up. We can't debate if we can't agree on what Xiaomi really is. Lei Jun, the founder, will probably kill you for calling Xiaomi just a smartphone maker. He's been basically saying that for the past eight years since Xiaomi's founding, that it is not a hardware company but an internet company with hardware, smartphones, IoT, etc. as its engine of innovation. Well, there you go, Ray. Why are you arguing my point? By the way, Xiaomi is indeed an internet company with a sprawling selection of hardware to go along with its services. It made 1.5 billion dollars on services alone last year. Okay, I see what you're doing. 1.5 billion might sound like a large amount, but that's only 10% of Xiaomi's total revenues. Guess how much Apple made from services last year? 8.5 billion dollars. Actually. Just kidding! I'm lying. That was just for Q1 of 2018, just one quarter. Do you know what would happen if the services business from Apple were its own standalone company? It would be 97th on the Fortune 100 list, ahead of Facebook. Well, now it's my turn to say I see what you're doing. Yes, Xiaomi does like to compare itself to Apple, or at least doesn't discourage the comparison. Founder and CEO Lei Jun is generally referred to as China's answer to Steve Jobs. But while Apple has industry-leading smartphones, and yeah, their laptops are not bad. I know we both use MacBooks and iPhones. Here's a question for you: What are their other dominant consumer electronics? Um, I think they do pretty well in smartwatches too. As far as I know, they were actually the leader in Q4 2017 with eight million units shipped. So that's over 20% market share. And taking that same quarter, who was number three? Okay, Xiaomi was number three. They did sell almost five million Mi Bands, but where are you going with this? Great! So Xiaomi is number three in smartwatches. It's a pretty close third, and it was head to head with Fitbit for a while, who used to be number one. But my point is, Xiaomi has many other top one or two or three products. In fact, unlike the relatively limited selection of Apple, it's got over a hundred of what it calls ecosystem partners. It sells everything from smart rice cookers to home security systems to air purifiers. When it came out with its cheaply priced, high quality home air purifier in 2014, I know a ton of people who rushed to go get one. 
Typical foreign-made systems range from a few hundred to more than a few thousand USD, which was unaffordable for most people, especially since you needed a different one for each room. The air purifier quickly surged to number one in the market, and there's so much room for growth. The market penetration for air purifiers is laughably low at 0.1 percent. Okay, I will agree with you that it was a pretty good product, especially considering it was just over a hundred dollars. I would have gotten one myself, but I had already invested so much money into my Blue Air. But not counting the social impact of the air purifier business, it's a pretty small market. It's not even three billion dollars in China. And by the way, there are over seven hundred other brands competing. If anything, I think the example you just gave, Xiaomi might have opened up the market. But now that it is opened up. The big consumer electronics brands like Hiar, TCL, and of course Medea are coming in in a big way. So, does Xiaomi really want to be competing with these guys in addition to waging a war on the smartphone front? Ah,、uh, but it's not. The air purifier is made by Zhimi or SmartMe, a Xiaomi-invested company. It's not super clear how much of Zhimi is owned by Xiaomi. Huami, the company that makes the Mi Band, is more transparent. According to their IPO prospectus, Shunwei, the billion-dollar VC fund co-founded by Lei Jun and affiliated with Xiaomi, owns twenty percent. Xiaomi owns about nineteen percent, so about forty percent in total—a non-controlling stake. That's pretty similar to what SoftBank's strategy is: pre-vision fund, significant minority stakes. If you have lots of capital, I don't think that's a bad way to make a meaningful bet without taking all of the risk. But also from the same prospectus, it does show that Xiaomi accounts for over eighty percent of Huami's revenues. So I personally don't even really understand how this company was able to go public. And by the way, it looks like investors agree. Since its IPO this February on the NYSE, its stock has declined fourteen percent, and its market cap is just. Five hundred sixty million dollars. Fair. So maybe it wouldn't have been a great bet as a stock to buy, but as an entrepreneur, how many companies IPO four years and two months from inception on a major stock exchange? Huami did because it was able to leverage Xiaomi's large customer base and jump to a market-leading position immediately post-launch, and no need to scoff at a half-billion-dollar valuation. Fitbit is just one point six billion. I'm pretty sure if you were the CEO or one of the shareholders, you wouldn't be complaining too much. And Xiaomi has a hundred of these partnerships of varying types in the wings. So, what are you saying? Are you saying there are 100 future IPOs with Xiaomi as a major beneficial shareholder? It's not impossible. Sure, it's not impossible, but not very likely. In fact, there's already fractures in this so-called ecosystem. There are probably two main reasons for this. The first one of which is, well, what happens if you are one of these so-called affiliates of Xiaomi, but the Xiaomi mothership begins making competitive products? E Technology had that happen to them. E was one of the earliest so-called partners making GoPro and drop cam-like cameras. I actually bought some of these when they first came out. However, since two years ago, Xiaomi began making home cameras themselves. And they basically stopped promoting e-cameras on their platform. There were even rumors that the relationship had ended. While Lei Jun said that wasn't the case on his Weibo, if you look on Me.com now, there are very few products from e being sold. Well, the answer to that is simple. 
if you're insinuating that Xiaomi went and kicked out Yi Technology because they didn't want to split revenues anymore, I would argue that's just very unlikely given how small the business was. But specifically on the ecosystem partners, a book called Xiaomi Ecosystem Battlefield Notes came out last year in China and gives an inside look into what happened with 77 of these partners. Apparently, Yi lost its favorite position with Xiaomi because it failed to be transparent about a manufacturing defect. See, Xiaomi's not greedy. It just wants to protect its consumers and fans and make sure that we get the best product possible. Okay, okay. Spoken like a true Mi fan or Xiaomi fan. But I am far from convinced. While the ecosystem does sell plenty of units, the revenues are pretty minimal. So all the ecosystem products together is only about 22%. Anyway, I suppose now you're going to talk about how noble Lei Jun's vision of Xiaomi is, revolutionizing the made-in-China stereotype, changing it from cheap and unreliable to cheap but beautifully designed and high-quality. Yes, exactly. Xiaomi has won over a 100 design awards. Xiaomi is way more than a pure tech company. Chinese people are really proud of its beautiful products, and overseas consumers are taking notice. A recent report from WPP, Kantar, and Google shows Xiaomi as a top 10 Chinese brand builder. Okay, I can't argue with you that even though Made in China is not yet very cool, it has become a lot less uncool, and certainly brands like Xiaomi have contributed to that. But then again, so have Oppo, Huawei, and many others. For Apple, they were able to leverage their great design, amongst other things, and charge a premium. But Lei Jun, who you say has all this great design, has publicly stated that he will never make more than a 5% net margin on any of Xiaomi's hardware, ever. Which was my point number two about being part of the Xiaomi ecosystem. For me, that cap on profitability would be a great reason for not joining the Xiaomi family. And it looks like many others agree. Even beyond partners, though, this just sounds really terrible for shareholders. Well, 5%'s not high, but again, that's only for hardware. Remember the beginning of this conversation Xiaomi is not a hardware company. As the company CFO has said, Xiaomi is the rare company that can do hardware, internet, and e-commerce. It's even tapping into offline retail. It recently opened up Mi Home stores. Go search for some photos of those. These stores remind me of the Japanese retailer Muji, known for minimalist products. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's what Leijun is going for. Since speaking at an event in Shanghai last August, he said that he wants Xiaomi to be Muji in the science and technology sector with high quality, high value, cost effectiveness, and a variety of products. Muji, by the way, sells everything from snacks to stationery to suitcases to clothing. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't sound at all appealing to me. Maybe some Mifen will go and get their pillows from the Mi Home Store along with their new drone, but I personally think this is a recipe for disaster. In fact, it reminds me of one of Leijun's previously high-profile unicorn investments. It was this fashion e-commerce brand called Venkel, spelled V-A-N-C-L, which started off really hip, shot up to $3 billion in valuation, and then way too quickly expanded to product categories that really didn't make any sense like laundry detergent. The story goes Lei Jun told Chen Yan, the CEO, to focus and not expand too quickly. I'm curious here why he's not applying the same advice to himself. 
I mean, Xiaomi hasn't even won the domestic Chinese smartphone market yet, but it's doing all these other things that just don't seem like they'll move the needle, but are big distractions. It's interesting that you mention its market position in China, which is definitely not as strong as it could be. But China is a mature market with high penetration already. It's much more interesting to look at India, which is the world's second largest smartphone market. There, Xiaomi accounted for 31% of shipments last quarter, beating out Samsung. It has also said it's going to launch at least six new smartphones and open a hundred stores in India. And oh, Xiaomi accounts for 60% of online smartphone sales. The business model that was originally started in China has worked really well. That of really focusing on me fans and creating scarcity. Jia Yinxiao, we talked about that in detail in episode four. Okay, great for Xiaomi that it is winning in India, but it shipped 92 million smartphones last year, and just over 25 million of those were to India. It still makes 72 percent of its revenues from China. And here is where I make the argument that even Chinese regulators. And also, investors were quite cautious or bearish, actually, about Xiaomi's listing. It was supposed to be the first company to list using CDRs or China depository receipts, but as we know, that didn't happen. I do acknowledge that it's been a rocky road to IPO. When we first started hearing rumors of Xiaomi's listing, the number being thrown around was a hundred billion dollars. That is, Xiaomi raising ten billion dollars at a hundred billion valuation. Exactly, but it ended up raising less than half, or only about four point seven billion dollars. So honestly, whoever is doing these predictions, they're about as accurate as Elon Musk's forecast for Tesla. Seriously. Anyway, Xiaomi abruptly pulled out of the CDR process in late June. It would have allowed them to list on the mainland exchanges, but the Chinese SEC equivalent, the CSRC. Just could not get its head wrapped around the one core question: Why is a company with 70.4 percent of its revenues from smartphones considered an internet company? It's been written that Xiaomi pulled its offering because it was unable to answer this question to the sufficient satisfaction of regulators. Okay, well, we don't know exactly what happened there. And there's many arguments for and against the CDR. For example, it would have been a big risk for Xiaomi in case it didn't go well. It's just also a big move for Chinese tech companies in general. And I think the team was right in not hurrying it up and chancing a bad listing. Well, I'd argue that even without the CDR, the Hong Kong listing by itself was very important. Hong Kong went to great lengths to woo Xiaomi, including changing rules on dual-class ownership structures. As a well-known VC, CDH's Wang Gongquan noted, a bad Xiaomi IPO could have signaled the end of the current exuberant investing environment in China. According to him, it would have burst the bubble. For now, though, it looks like Xiaomi did just fine. After the first day dropped, it gained 10% or so the second day. Yes, after it was announced that it would join the Hang Seng Index, which is a major indicator for the Hong Kong exchange. But anyway, let's wrap this up, Yingying. Do you just believe that the company can do no wrong? No, not at all. But I do believe in Lei Jun, as he's fond of saying. Xiaomi is the only smartphone company that turned around declining revenue. Here is a leader who is known for working incredibly hard and is very detail oriented. Supposedly, he's super active in the WeChat groups of his Tier One and Two distributors. How can you not want to work with a billionaire who cares so much that he's interfacing with his core customers on a daily basis? He's got an amazing reputation with employees as well. 
Well, chatting is great, but I'd rather make money. And it seems that only 20% of Xiaomi's offline franchise stores are marginally profitable, and the rest lose money. Also, I know that Lei Jun loves using the very bloody Sino Japanese War as a metaphor for his business battles. I'd be afraid of being one of the casualties of his business battles. But okay, yes, he does work very hard. Apparently, the internal slogan this year inside of Xiaomi is that even sleeping is a waste of time. Well, he's always known when to really lean into it. That's the Lei Jun philosophy: 顺势而为 take advantage of the tailwind. And I don't disagree with that, but I think I just see more headwind. Anyway, it looks like we both really got into the debate, and neither of us are going to back down from our positions. We both want to win, right? Do you have any concluding remarks, Yingying? I believe this is just the beginning. It's the start of the story of a tech company that's really figured out how to synergize between online, offline sales, and is focused on delivering superior hardware and software products, which are of good quality and which suit the middle class. Around the world, not just in China, as Lei Jun says, it's really three companies in one—a quote-unquote triathlon business model—and I really like its ecosystem strategy. I think there's still plenty of room to innovate, especially in AI, and partnering is the way to do that. As for all that volatility at IPO, I quote our friend Hans Tung, managing partner at GGV and an early investor in Xiaomi, who had this to say. The company's performance is more reflective of investor confusion than the strength of the stock. Okay, my turn. Yes, apparently many have compared Xiaomi's performance to Facebook's, which also had a rocky IPO. And yes, they have a thesis that investors simply don't understand Xiaomi. But I ask you, why is it so hard to understand? Xiaomi only makes two dollars per smartphone. It lost seven billion dollars last year. Yes, it did grow revenue seventy percent last year, but how much of that was aggressive spending in India to grow market share? Very few companies do even one thing well. Is Xiaomi going to do three things super well? What do you think? How do we do defending our respective positions? Oh, by the way, all those numbers are accounting losses. Cash flow wise, Xiaomi was negative one billion RMB for the year, only about a hundred and fifty million USD. Hey, hey, hey! No cheating! You already gave your concluding remarks. Okay, okay, but that was a fair comment. I do have to add then that Xiaomi also has patent concerns, especially as it expands abroad. It's got a lot less patents than its rivals. It's already been sued by Ericsson a few years ago, and a rival electronics brand called Coolpad sued it recently for lots of patent infringement as well. Gee, was that your final final comment, Ray? Okay, okay, yes. I promise to stop, or else we'll never finish debating. So, what do you think, everyone? Are you a Xiaomi bull or a Xiaomi bear? Remember to tweet at us at TechBuzzChina. We'd like to give a shout out to our partners at SubChina. In addition to our podcast here with Pandaily, they publish the excellent Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs on China with journalists, writers, academics, policymakers, and business people. So while we only focus on tech, they really give you the entire overview. Okay, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We really enjoyed putting this together, and are always open to any comments or questions. You can find us on Twitter at the Pan Daily, and my personal Twitter account is Rayma.
That's spelled R-U-I-M-A. And my Twitter is spelled G-I-N-Y-G-I-N-Y. Uh, please do also follow Tech Buzz China at Tech Buzz China. We'll be back here same time next week. Tech Buzz China by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. Pandaily.com is a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Carol Yin and Kaiser Kuo. Our intern is Scott Duke.